Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Avengers Age of Ultron is garbage, folks. Is it an alligator or a crocodile? I don't know the difference, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Look at that. That is a werewolf. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Den of Geek Presents Marvel Stand Them Live. I'm your host, Mike Cicchini, and as usual, we are bringing you all of the latest from the wide world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but specifically, we're back in Karachi this week for another episode of Ms. Marvel, and with me for all time and always, I have Den Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard, and we have two special guests with us this week. Welcome back, Joe George, pop culture columnist and frequent Den of Geek contributor, and as usual, we have Den of Geek Audience Development Coordinator, Muzna Shahzad, who's here to steal the show from me yet again. This was an interesting, like kind of unexpected episode of Ms. Marvel. It did some things that I didn't really expect them to do. Uh, Kirsty, why don't you break it down and tell us how, uh, how this one went? Absolutely. In the fifth episode of Ms. Marvel, we get to find out what happened to Aisha before and during partition as she meets Kamala's great-grandfather and resists the clandestine plan to return to the dimension. Kamala, who has travelled back in time to partition using the bangle, then witnesses Najma murdering Aisha for her betrayal before she helps Aisha's daughter Sana and her husband Hassan escape to Pakistan. When Kamala returns, the veil between dimensions starts to lift and the clandestine are killed. Najma decides to close the veil herself after some convincing and Cameron is infused with Noor energy as a result. As Kamala's mother finds out the truth, Cameron hides out from the DODC with Bruno, where they're attacked at the Circle Q during the episode's cliffhanger. It did deliver pretty well on uh, on the promise of that cliffhanger from last week, I think. But, you know, there were some some twists and turns along the way, and especially in the back half of the episode that I was a little bit less sure about than I expected to be. So uh, I want to know what everybody else thought, though. Uh, Mosna, why don't we start with you? I like the episode overall. I love the partition scenes um, showing the anguish when Senna got lost. Um, and she was crying out for her parents. That just was like literally touched my heart. I was crying through through the whole scene. Um, I loved um, Aisha and Hassan's chemistry. And you see Fawad Khan, finally, um, even for a bit. I wanted more of him, but I understand like he has the potential to steal the episode or steal the show. So I was like, it's okay. I, I get it. It's okay. But seeing him there, I was just like, it was amazing. Um, and then there was the time travel bit, which we can talk about more. I have some theories on that, but I also like them going back to the comics with like one Easter egg. And I knew that line was so familiar because when Nani was like, you know, I would like to think that those two people met and then they created something bigger than they could have alone. This was back to the comics. I think issue number 36, volume 10. And this was kind of Kamala and Bruno talking and thinking about what her past could have been. And this this man was actually um, her inhuman ancestor and the, uh, and the girl is actually Kamala's human ancestor. Um, and they kind of met. Um, and this was like way past, like this is not even partition. This is way, way long time ago in AD perhaps. So they kind of reimagined it. And that's when Kamala said it was, I remember seeing this and I was like, oh, this is so familiar. And they actually put it in, it was nicely put in by Nani saying that. So I did really like it. Thanks, Mosna. I'm glad that you're so on top of this because we, as of last week, I feel we've reached the point in this show where 
it has like gone beyond the the runs of Ms. Marvel that I've read, you know? So like I'm completely in the weeds here. And I mean, frankly, you could have been making that up and I would have had no choice but to believe you. Uh, but no, it's as usual, I don't think this has anything to do with with how much I enjoy any given episode. You know what I mean? It's just it's purely a coincidence that I was a little bit more mixed on this one than I have been, uh, you know, the first batch. Joe, welcome back once again. Uh, thank you for coming back here to put up with me. And uh, I'm glad to have you on a, uh, you know, for some good vibes, especially after you suffered with us through Moon Knight. How'd you feel about this week's episode? Unsurprisingly, I liked it. <laughs> Something I'm learning about me uh, from since doing these standup episodes is that uh, I'm not bothered by rules not making any sense or, you know, backstory. Like all this stuff bounces right off of me because because the actors in the first part were so charming and I love the romance story and the emotional payoff of seeing uh, uh, Kamala rescue Sana as a child. Just that's all of that stuff worked for me more than any sort of explanation for how and why. I mean, even just the the, the skeleton that is created when uh, what's her name goes into the, the portal and dies. My first reaction isn't, well, how's that happen? It was cool. That's awesome. So, <laughs> you know, my superhero uh, uh, consumption is always awesome first, whether that's emotionally awesome or skeleton awesome and then we'll figure it out later if at all i'm i'm not bothered by it so no it's still hitting all the things i love good show kirsty wrote uh has been reviewing every episode for us and this is the first one that they wrote that was less than glowing uh kirsty why don't you why don't you tell everybody your thoughts on the app as well and remember folks head to denageek.com slash marvel read all of kirsty's work read all our marvel coverage there first of all i'd like to say i'm sorry because you guys seem to really enjoy it, and I don't like to be the one that's moaning. Even though filling in the mis missing history of Kamala's ancestors was appreciated, and the actors playing Aisha and Hassan did a good job, there were too many parts of this episode, especially in the second half, that just felt really rushed and disjointed to me. It's like, a, it's a good show. Uh, I love those first four episodes, really, but this one did feel like it was, it was just trying to change gears too quickly as we come to the finale and and that didn't work for me like I've heard people say that this was their favorite episode of the season that's fair enough like I don't think my opinion is right or wrong just that one opinion but um yeah this just did not work for me overall compared to the the first four and then there was the time travel stuff which I'm sure we'll talk about later yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you, Kirsty, and I think I liked it maybe marginally more than you did, you know. But I, I think the problem here, it's not something I can easily pinpoint. And uh, Lee in the comments points out this this would have been a great episode if this were an eight episode season, and I think that is kind of the heart of my problem with this this episode especially, and to a lesser extent last week's episode felt like the series is trying to do too much this season you know like this is an important story and i want to see this story and i think they're doing it well you know like i i i do i thought the flashbacks were terrific it's great learning that you know kamala's ancestors are two of the most attractive people on the planet that's really <laughs> cool uh but like it was i think this is kind of like I don't know, like, is this a season two thing? You know what I mean? Is this a story that would have been served better if season one was kind of more conventional, her just kind of learning about her powers and herself without learning about the nature of her powers and like fully embracing the weight of her history? Maybe, you know, uh, look, the, the finale next week will kind of, you know, will kind of tell us everything, like whether this, you know, whether these really are sins or whether we're just kind of nitpicking things that we shouldn't be because we don't have the, the, you know, the full story yet. So, yeah, I can't really put my finger on why I didn't love this episode. If anything, I guess the closest thing I could say is just kind of structurally, the last act of the episode is just weird. Once we get out of those flashbacks, it just kind of like barrels to its conclusion. You know, and then especially like the last shot of the episode, it's like, was there an editing mistake? Like, you know, it's it's just 
you know, the circle queue exp- explodes and it's like cut to cut to credits. And it's just like really weird and awkward. So whatever, this show is still great. And, you know, the Marvel has often struggled with episodes four and five when we're dealing with these six episode seasons. So I think the problem here, you know, it's kind of out of the creator's hands and is more like on the format than it is the the show itself, you know? So yeah, Lee just pointed out that Moon Knight and Obi-Wan episode five both had the same problems. Uh, Code Monkey, good to see you. I did get the feeling that this whole this whole season is just set up, which is a shame as it's a good show, but with six episodes, it's a nice family story, but it's not going anywhere else. I feel that I, I, I can get into that. He says the clandestines are just an afterthought. We will talk about that shortly you know don't worry about that but yeah i i kind of get that too where it's like this is about establishing kamala and her powers and getting us ready for the marvels one of the things that i loved so much about the early episodes of this season is that it felt like tv it felt like it was structured like tv and now we're firmly back into the six-part movie structure which i don't think really benefits these shows all that much so whatever who cares what i think right uh i (laughs) but you know the real central theme of this is Aisha's story. Muzna, you've been anticipating like seeing these two actors in particular show up. I think even more than you've wanted the story itself. Why why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Honestly, like I could have like a whole episode just being Fawad Khan and Nawshad who play Hassan and Aisha. And I would have totally been fine with it. It was beautiful. Um I I think Aisha here is gets lost i believe i don't think she runs away from her people she gets lost she finds someone it's like kind of like a like him saving her in particular and showing her that humanity is something you know like good and something you don't need to destroy which would have happened if she used a bangle and then just seeing their romantic moments where like fawad khan has this really interesting bit about him where he, when he's doing romantic roles the way that he looks at um his significant other whoever it's he's play, it, she's playing he literally just gives her this look and you're just like oh my god that's like that melts your heart and you're just like and he had so many of those moments um he really like took that role and he was like i'm going to do everything with it and seeing aisha like kind of transform into the motherly role where she's like singing lullaby to sana that was such a beautiful moment um and seeing her panic when najma shows up um i i was literally i knew najma was lying first of all when she said that i didn't see her after they got lost i knew she was coming back um so seeing that and she seeing that you know she knows that this is it i have to save my family um seeing her that in that role that was very impactful to me i think and i like that they show that in the tv show because in comics her story wasn't necessarily that deep i remember like she was pregnant with sana at the time and her instinct was just to protect her child as they made her way from then india to pakistan um and i see that in this kind of because she is necessarily protecting her child in the end as well right um so yeah it was that was a beautiful moment could have been the whole episode honestly for me joe what kind of insights do you have into uh into aisha's journey and just like how this kind of relates to kamala in the present so I'm like you, we're past the point of the uh, Ms. Marvel comics that I have read, sadly, and uh, I've been following along with the show uh, elsewhere, and I've not read any clandestine, I didn't even heard a clandestine either until they showed up on this, and that was, so on both ends, on the comic end, I'm, I'm a little, this is kind of new territory for me. Um, and I gotta say, just off of what Misna said, um, even the actors I'm not familiar with, and so while I'm watching this episode and Hassan shows up, I was just like, holy crap, who is this guy? He is like pure charisma and captivating the screen. And I agree that I, I could have gone for the entire episode to be them. Their, their story was lovely for somebody whose film and television uh, viewing is clearly limited. That was just delightful to watch the, the two of them. Um, as far as how it connects to... Uh, you know Kamala's larger story. I don't, I don't have anything specifically other than this, which is worrisome for me. I love Kamala's family, and generally in superhero stories, that's bad news for the family. You know, when you start liking <laughs> family members, it's not going to end up well for them. And so I, I, I got to admit, every time, especially they 
her mother every time they pop back to a family member i'm always a little bit worried like okay what's what's going to happen to this wonderful family whom i love because i've seen too many uncle bens and and you know uh pa kent's end up dead that i don't want to see the same thing happen it'd be wonderful to see an actual functioning uh uh family structure show up in the show so i'm hoping for that i really enjoyed seeing all that stuff um i felt like i probably could have filled it in for myself minus the revelation that Najma killed Aisha there uh, I feel like maybe a lot of that story could have been told without us seeing it but I was glad to see it and I thought it was I thought it was really you know it presented nicely and it was lovely to watch that for the first sort of half of the episode it's in the sort of second half that I started going like hang on <laughs> Like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah. The, the promise of this was in that final shot in last week's episode. And this is only the second time that I can remember that like a piece of Western pop culture is depicting the partition. You know, the other time was that that excellent episode of, of the recent Doctor Who series, you know, which is like probably the best uh, probably the best Doctor Who episode of the of the Chris Chibnall era, right? So, um, I was just kind of all in on on the idea of this kind of like being presented to audiences that are not usually exposed to it. And I thought the newsreel opening was was kind of a clever way into it, you know. And it, it's like it was just like a really clever education. You know, like a clever, no, education is a strong word, right? But it's like a, it's like a clever crash course for people that, that have absolutely no frame of reference for this. Because, again, I, I, I was not taught about the partition until I got to college, you know? So this is, this is, this just seems like gutsy stuff. Like, like it's a big swing for the MCU to take, you know? And I'm glad they're doing it. And even though, like, the back half of the episode, like, didn't quite, come together for me you know give me another half hour with these folks I, I love them so much now we do have a little bit more context on the partition though straight from the co-director of this episode courtesy of an interview that Musna did for us Musna, you want to you want to uh, intro the interview you did for us yeah uh, so I talked to Shermin Obed Janai, who is the co-director uh, for Miss Marvel, she directed episode four and five. Um, and she is from Karachi, uh, which makes all of this stuff that we saw in episode four as authentic as it could be. And that's why it was. Um, she's also the first Pakistani to win an Oscar. Um, and she, most of her work was nonfiction, like documentaries. She highlighted one of the documentaries that won her an Oscar was about um, acid attack victims um, in Pakistan. And then, then the other one was on um, uh, honor killing victims. Um, and then she directed an animation about um, superheroes, well, street kids who kind of take in their, it in their hands to save their, um, save their city or town. Um, so it kind of transitioned from that to where she is now. So it was really nice hearing from her perspective, seeing that she um, recreated Karachi and, uh, and Partition, it was very important to hear what that took. Is that a vision in particular or is that something like the pin particles transporting her through, through the time? Ooh. Gonna have to watch episode five, my dear. Ms. Marvel is a wildly unique origin story about the teenager Kamala Khan. Den of Geek spoke with the director of episodes four and five, about all of our burning questions. We have so many big names um, in Miss Marvel, Farhan Akhtar, Samin Ahmed Ji, um, Nimra Butcha, Fawad Khan, Mevishayad. How was it like with, with working with all of them? I thought it was so important for us to bring authentic Pakistani actors to tell this story. Everyone that has is playing what they're play, playing, like Samina Emma is such a treat to watch as a grandmother. I, saw, I sort of see my own grandmother as well when she talks. And Nimra Butcher, she really is able to epitomize this sort of villain which she plays. And maybe Shayab, you'll see some soon. Farhan Akhtar, Mevish, Fawad, uh, they've all been a treat to work with. We see Walid in this episode and his job seems very short-lived. I assume that 
he would be training Kamala perhaps is that something that we're going to be seeing I think Waleed's role has been to uh, provide context to Kamala so that she understands what the order of the red daggers is in connecting to who she is and to her great grandmother that has been his sort of role in episode 4 So who is the red dagger in this story particularly because Kareem's origin has changed from the comics are they just supposed to be fighting the clandestines or is there a larger larger motive here they of course have a larger uh, motive which is to maintain order um and and they're part of this long lineage um of the order of red daggers the story they were focusing on is how uh, they are helping Kamala to sort of understand where her power is coming from and how she can hold uh, the clandestines back since you've done a lot of um non-fiction work um that highlighted social and humanitarian issues in Pakistan what were um some of the challenges you were facing when you were approaching Miss Marvel and did Teen Bahadur's story help you in in any way i think the only thing that i found when i was doing Miss Marvel was this in, enormous sense of responsibility to be able to tell the story of my city my country of partition um in the manner that it deserved to be told it naturally translated itself from documentary and animation into live action things that i've done in my life to prepare me uh to tell this story and so i think for me it was a great sense of responsibility more than anything so recreating those scenes of partition what were the things that you were concentrating on and did you perhaps take inspiration from all the stories that our ancestors have talked to us about i grew up uh listening to stories of partition and i 15 years ago started this dark era of pakistan which is so lame has been to collect partition stories so i have been listening to these stories collecting these stories for the better part of the decade and so what i really wanted kamala to feel like when she was on the platform is as if she was listening to snatches of real conversations that were taking place that that people were leaving behind their homes and their lives and their friends and and their schools and colleges and and and, and places that they had called home never to return again we've never really showed partition in hollywood and we've rarely ever shown it otherwise to show it as part of the MCU meant that we had a greater responsibility to tell that story in the truest manner that it needed to be told and in the anguish of the father and the and the son hugging each other and the little girl leading her mother and two friends hugging you understand that partition was as much political as it was personal it was about leaving your home and that's what we really wanted to make it come alive there's a lot of chatter at the moment about um not fully perhaps taking into account discrimination that muslims face in the us especially when it's peer to peer and we saw in the comics zoe was that character for nakia and kamala um is that something that we perhaps would see in the coming episodes or is that something that wasn't um uh, included and i would just want to know the thought process if that if that's so so i'm going to talk specifically about my episodes because they're sort of not are connected to her in jersey but i will say that there are hints of that throughout uh, in the conversation that she has with nakia that you realize the fact that nakia covers her head is is a massive problem that people see her and perceive her in a certain way in episode 1 you see that you know she in gym class and in the locker room and everywhere kamala feels sort of invisible i think that when you tell a story like that you tell it with nuances and you tell it in a manner that it should be told in and i think that there are a lot of instances where you can see that kamala has been singled, singled out uh for for you know because she's different is it because she's muslim or is she brown or or is she shy or she's weird or quirky it's, it's a whole lot of uh different things i think what was your uh favorite easter egg in this episode i did see the barcode for the comic on that photo stand thing i love the thing I mean, buddy oh you did it was so funny <laughs> That was uh because there's so much of that is happening because people are wanting to eat very quickly and wanting to eat that so we put that in there the antman in the gas station there's the pani puri like sort of like going back into there's so many little little things that we sort of put in there there is an easter egg in the airport scene and I'm waiting for someone to find it 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Talking about Karachi, I think one of the things that I was I was very very keen on um, looking out for was how it's depicted, especially because it was shot um, on location in Thailand. What were like the most important things that you wanted to include? I love the biryani drop, by the way. Like I was waiting for that and I love that it was in it. I um, wanted to make the old town come alive, Sadar and the old town. And that's where our focus was, to be honest. So, you know, in the heritage walk, the cousins take her on. And it's like a mini sort of Bori Bazaar, Sadar where you see the dubattas being sold and you see the crocs being sold and you've got guys who are selling you kurtas but at the same time you've got a Chinese dentist over there and you've got the buses and the trucks and the vehicles that fly our streets. You know, they really make them come alive. All the vehicles that have been used, they are very, very Karachi. And then don't forget that there's so much of Pakistani music, textiles from Pakistan, there's food. It's sort of a real ode to where we are, where we come from and who we are. And the best part is that people who are not familiar with our culture all over social media want to hear our music and want to eat the food and, and are laughing at some of the jokes that we've got that would be considered sort of jokes that, that would be known just to us. It's been great to sort of open up our world the rest of the world. She pops her head out and you see someone taking the wrong lane. Like, so we... When the, when, when the plane is landing and everyone gets up. Anyone gets up, yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. We were um, trying to, to explain to the crew what we were trying to do, but then everyone was in on the joke. <laughs> Kamala will be uh, featured in the Marvels with Captain Marvel and Monica Rambeau. And she will probably, hopefully, also get to be in the Avengers, one of the Avengers movies. How do you think Kamala Khan and her culture will fit into a project of that scale? And would you, if asked, would you be interested in uh, directing something like that? I think that Kamala would fit right in. Uh, Iman Valiani is such a terrific actress. She was born to play Kamala Khan. She brings with her this vivaciousness and sort of this younger generation superhero and she speaks to a completely new demographic. Our definition of superheroes is constantly evolving now thanks to Marvel. Having her as part of this cadre of, of new superheroes will only serve in making the MCU reach a diverse audience. If you could direct any of the superheroes apart from Miss Marvel in the MCU, um, which one would it be? And why? Oh, Lord. I'd love to direct the Avengers, to be honest, because I think that um, it's so diverse. Each one is so quirky and different. And I, and I think telling that story, there are so many things that I feel like I, I could do with the characters in, in telling that story. Kamala Khan continues her superhero journey Wednesdays on Disney+. Plus. I'm a superhero. Muzna, what a fantastic interview. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. I, I love talking to her about like the city and everything. And she mentioned the airport Easter egg. And I went back and I was like, I have to find this. Um, and I did find this. It, it's back in my tweet. It was just like a, an ode to like um, her previous documentaries that she had made. It's really cool. I mean, and you weren't exactly asking softballs there either. So <laughs> really yeah. terrific I stuff. Was, Very insightful. I was trying to get spoilers out, but yeah, I, I tried really hard. Never gonna happen with these people. Like, like, like Marvel. Marvel talent is just like not gonna, not gonna give it up. You got more out of one Marvel director than most of us who have been doing this job for like eight years have ever managed to do. So that was a lot of fun. Thank you. But now we got to kind of dive back into episode five, and in particular, the thing that I know Kirsty has a big problem with, and that just kind of across the board has folks. Uh, scratching their heads. Is this show following the MCU time travel rules as they were laid out in uh, Endgame? I'm going to let Kirsty start. Mosna, I'm saving you for last on this one because <laughs> I know you. I know you're like like ready to jump out of your seat with some theories on this. So, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna let Kirsty be the kind of uh, tradi- traditionalist with the MCU uh, time travel rules, and then we'll and then we'll make our way around the horn. Well, to answer your question, is this show following the MCU time travel rules as they have been set out in Avengers Endgame? The answer is no. It absolutely is not following those rules. If uh, if someone go travels back in time, they do not change the future. Uh, the past then becomes their present and what they do is if they change anything that makes a branch timeline which we know now uh, are free to roam as they will Um, the TVA from Loki are no longer pruning those no longer scooping up variants Um, so that would create um, you know another universe or reality or timeline or however Marvel wants to play it this week. Kamala Khan shouldn't have been able to travel back in time and help save her grandmother and her great-grandfather by the MCU's time rules. However, it does seem that she has always been destined to do so because in her in the future, you know, that stuff has happened. She did create the, um, she did use her powers to create those, um, those sep steps and that which crumbled into stars and that Sana followed to get back to Hassan. So very confusing for anyone like me who is a total nerd about the rules and always wants to make sure that everyone's following the rules at all times and that all questions are answered. But um, I know that like Joe specifically, he's like the anti-me. He's like, yeah, don't answer anything. Don't follow any rules. Just just have uh, fun stuff happen. And uh, I'm good with that as he explained earlier. But yeah, I'm a bit of a, I'm a, bit of a Grinch when it comes to the rules. So I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how this plays out and if it's ever explained and I know Mosna has some theories she's been waiting to drop on us about how this could have transpired within the MCU yeah you know what let's just turn this over to Mosna because yeah. I know Joe's like who cares Joe's like, <laughs> it's just, exactly it's, my answer we don't yeah, need rules like, <laughs> yeah like the, the only time travel rules is does it get the story from point A to point B effectively exactly right? and is it fun and is it cool that's that's all you need. I mean, that's that's my theory for everything superhero wise. It's got to be cool. Got to be awesome. That's the only rule. So, yeah. And I yeah, think by, the, by the Joe rule. Rebel. Yeah. If we're applying the Joe rule here, I think this episode does do that. But not by the Kirsty rule. <laughs> but let's 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 get some Muzna rules here. I think when when we're looking at it from like endgame perspective, you're just like this happened in 2019. So there's no way there's no way they will forget something this big, right? There has to be some kind of logic that they applied here when they're doing so. So back to your point, Kirsty, where you said she was destined to do this. Um and I feel like when when Bruce Banner mentioned mentions how timeline works, he says, uh, when you go back in time, that time now becomes your present and your present is your past. So like, that's how it works. Um, and if you change anything, it branches out. But that's the thing. She didn't change anything. Um, she did it's stuff that is exactly supposed to happen. The stars and all of that. She never changed anything from the timeline. So the timeline to branch out, it doesn't make sense. Um, if she had saved Aisha, if she had fought with uh, Najma, or if she had met Hassan and talked to him, um, that would have changed because Hassan would have realized a girl was there who saved the child. Um, but she did none of that. Um, it was just the stars. It was Sana's memory where she followed the stars and that's what happened. So it, it didn't branch out. That's one of the logic here. Then people are saying that this is closed loop and it's not, it's not what Bruce, it's not breaking any rules. The second thing is um, it could be Aisha, when Aisha calls out from her bangle, what you seek is seeking you and the bangle is activated. I feel like she could have been pulling another variant of Kamala from another timeline and not the same timeline that she was in. And if that if she does that, that doesn't necessarily affect MCU logic at all because other dimensions exist and they exist parallel to us. And we know that the bangle can travel through dimensions because that's what the clandestines were supposed to do. Um, so there there is a, is that logic. But the se- third thing is, and I really like that, that theory more than anything else, it's in the comics. And this is volume 10, um, I think G. Willow Wilson's last one. 
Um, and that's kind of hinted at the episode name time and again. In that um, whole issues that I think goes from th- issue number 31 to 35, um, I'm not sure, don't quote me on that, but the shocker is one of the main villains in that um, series. And what he does is he creates wormholes and it's he's like a very weird villain that i don't understand um and he when he comes out it kind of starts affecting kamala's powers because before bruno was like kind of in this in this uh, theory where he was like i don't understand how you can you know embiggen and you know decrease your size without it affecting you without it affecting your clothes because he mentions hulk and he says you know when he kinds of like hulks up he like rips his pants and I don't know how many pants he goes through but I don't understand how you nothing happens to you right and he kind of puts her in this water tank um, and tells her to shrink and embiggen and she does that and he's like I'm trying to see if the water is displaced by what you're doing and it doesn't and throughout these issues we see like suddenly Kamala's powers like she can't control it anymore that's something that she did like in the first season where she didn't know she just randomly embiggened and shrunk um, and they don't know what is happening and they realize it's because the shocker is uh, like opening wormholes. And Bruno realizes from that, that her powers to embiggen and shrink actually come from her ability to share her mass through time. So it's not her like just like doing it herself. It's her ability to uh, trade from her different versions of her throughout the time. So like past, future, but also different dimensions. Because he sees her future and past when he tests on her uh, DNA. And he realizes that's what it is. Um, So I feel like, and she asked him, you know, like, am am I, can I time travel? And he's like, well, on a molecular level, yes, like you can, right? So I feel like that's where it's headed. And now that they're going to New Jersey, I feel like Bruno is going to tell her this. Um, I don't know how they're going to explain it in one episode because this is very complicated and it took them about three issues (laughs) <laughs> all the comics to like literally explain it and for me to understand what was happening so I don't know how that's gonna fit into that one episode but I feel like it's probably this like her ability to do that I don't think she follows the same idea of pin particles or the quantum realm or all of that I think it's just her powers ability she can do this uh, because this was in the comic so I feel like that's where they're headed I do like I, I do like those theories and I do mm. I do like the idea of the closed loop um using the nor energy like they could they yeah. could explain it away using that too. Yeah, because I went like, back <laughs> I watched it again, Kirsty, because your question in the last episode it was haunting me. You were like, it cannot happen. It cannot. and I was like, Yeah, you know, you make sense, like complete makes sense. And I went back and watched the episode and again I was like, she didn't really change anything. The person who saw her died. So technically there was nothing there to like change and they w- it wouldn't have branched out necessarily. That's where my logic was. I still don't think it makes complete sense, but I do like the idea of Kamala <laughs> showing up in different places and maybe hearing a story about some wild shit that happened decades ago and her going, oh, I, I must have done one of my loops. and then that kind of transpires at some point but i mean who who knows uh maybe we'll find out next week maybe what do you think mike Uh, look i will accept it um the second one is a little complicated for me but it seems (laughs) it seems well thought out and musna presented the appropriate you know canonical elements uh, evidence from the comics so uh yeah i'll accept it i know joe i know joe will accept it uh yeah you know <laughs> give her no prize yeah she explained and, it <laughs> and Kirsty, it seems like it seems like musna's won you over on this too no i can get there i will i will make any theory that fits and makes sense of it because <laughs> in my head it just like marvel has done a lot of shit like uh, and and i understand that time travel like the whole prisoner of azkaban stuff that they're trying to pull here um but it was 2019, right? Endgame just happened. You can't, it's not 10 years ago that you forget you did that, this major thing. So there has to be this logic here. Like it has to happen. Like I can't believe that they forgot and they just did this major like issue in Miss Marvel that was going absolutely great till till now. So I'm just like, I, I want to believe that there's some kind of 
logic or theory here that they're taking from comics. I really, I really pray that that's that's how it is. They, this is why they need to get Reed Richards in the MCU as soon as possible. <laughs> so we can just say unstable molecules. It's always the Marvel explanation. You got the speed force of the DC universe. We got the unstable mar- molecules over here. That's all we need. Code Monkey says, you know, in my head, the bangle was already there. So, you know, it was just some kind of hand wave manifestation of, of the genetic powers. And it's not really time travel. So uh, I, I kind of wondered about that, too, where it's like, you know, maybe it's the bangle kind of showing her events and she's not really influencing them. No, Muzna says no. Okay. I will say that logic. I thought about that too, but she has the photograph that she photograph. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense then. You're right. The photograph kind of pokes, pokes a hole in that immediately. All right. So the next thing is we got to talk about the clandestine because they're barely like they're barely in the episode and you know they've been kind of nebulous from the start i don't even know if we can call them villains at this point i mean to me they just kind of exist you know so that our hero has something to react to and has a reason to go from place to place right does anybody feel strongly that like najma and friends are actually like really strong villains or, or am i alone in this it was nice to see Aisha's story but I just don't think we've spent enough time with the clandestine to really feel super attached to their struggle with Aisha over their plan to go home the resolution of that contra- uh, conflict between Aisha and Najma just didn't feel that impactful to me because they just hadn't spent enough time on that like the clandestine were introduced explained and became the villains of the show within one episode just a couple of weeks back um, it's the same issue we're seeing with a lot of these MCU shows, like they're, they're just often trying to squeeze in so much into six episodes that parts of the story feel underdeveloped. And in this case, is the clandestine and the DODC, it's the villains um, that do feel weakly developed to me. The rest of the show is pretty great. Yeah, I don't see any saving the clandestine either. It, it feels, uh, Lisa, they're, they're plot devices, and I think that's exactly right. At, at best, they are connecting Kamala to a larger world, but I don't know that we're going to see much of them anymore. I suspect DDOC, the damage control is going to be the the ultimate villain here, um, especially as they become more Homeland Security like uh, that there's nothing they're going to nest from one point to another. And if anything, whatever the clandestine are is going to be picked up again in Marvels, I, uh, I suspect, and is largely done here for the show. I will say, like, uh, uh, when episode two happened, like, my my idea of what the story was going to be changed from, oh, it's superhero versus the villain, to, oh, it's the superhero understanding that she is a superhero. Um, and so, like, I don't think clandestines were supposed to be the big baddie in the show. Like, I think they were just a way for her to do something that she was destined to do and, like, save her family. I'm going to go with that theory, Kirsty. I'm going to go with this theory. Um, <laughs> but I think that was just, like, for her to push and, like, come and come together with her family. And, like, you know how she, her mom finds out and her nanny already knows. Like, I think that that's what she needed to truly uh, be more confident in the power she had gained. I don't think... Um, she needed also a big baddie while she was also going through this like um, crisis um, in her family and like her herself. Like I don't think she needed that. Um, I so I think that's where they were going at. I will say though, I'm still I still don't trust Kamran, and for good reason now that he has powers. Um, so I'm just like I don't know if if the last scene where she kind of gives those powers to Kamran, if if he turns, if he has like those evil um like stuff in him also i don't i don't know that but um if if so i think he might be in the marvels then um because he i think i don't know how many clandestines are left but i i feel like he would probably kind of be i don't know the villain but he would definitely be in them but yeah that's that's what i thought of the clandestines yeah i can't argue with that although i really like you know marvel's not good at not telegraphing their you know their punches right and i feel like if cameron was going to turn like it would have happened at the end of this episode right don't you think like you know here he is he's saving bruno from you know from the dodc drone and like i don't know i i don't think marvel does subtlety all that well especially when you're in the final act of something if he blames kamala for 
Najma's death, then that's going to be enough for him to be against her, right? And not in the physical way, she hopes. (laughs) 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 I mean, if he he blames her for Najma, that's just kind of sad. And you think that Kamran wasn't the guy she thought she was, uh, thought you were. But like, it's just like, because your mom tried to kill the girl too many times to count with like all of her people, family, relatives, whoever they were. Now that she's gone because of the choices that she made, it's Kamala's fault. Like, doesn't make sense to me. Then Kamran is just like who we thought he was or who I thought he was. Any predictions for the finale? Wait, I just want to say that whole oh. jolt. Sorry, going to Karachi was amazing, but in the process, like, yes, we left behind the part of the story uh, with what's happening in New Jersey. So when we were finally pushed back there at the end, it was so sudden and felt, and then it sort of went to this sort of quick cliffhanger ending where I genuinely thought, like, my Wi-Fi had died and Disney Plus had crashed. <laughs> Um, yeah, the way these MCC shows are structured towards the end is always so odd to me. That's all. That's just an observation. I'm just... It's the last few episodes, the last couple of episodes are always extremely strange in their structure. So, Do you think they will uh, stick the landing with this finale? I'll be somewhat skeptical and say, depends on what you want that landing to be. I mean, we're going to get Kamala in the full costume you know, and she's going to do some cool superhero stuff and there's going to be some sort of resolution with her parents. Um, I think we'll get that, but it's totally going to end open to set up Marvels, which if I'm remembering correctly was originally supposed to happen at the end of this year. So I am a little bit worried that we're getting kind of like the WandaVision Doctor Strange 2 thing where the order of the shows in relationship to the movies kind of got messed up and it's not going to feel quite as satisfying as as a standalone story nor as a jump off since we won't get the actual rest of the story until later on so i mean it it depends on what you want but if you want a closure like a full-on story is going to end and all the threads are going to be closed except for a couple of fun danglers that we're not going to get that we're going to see the 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 completion of kamala becoming a superhero that's the end of the story that we're going to get yeah i i think they're gonna save like the end bit for for the Marvels, yes. Um, and I don't want them to do that because I want them to use that time to tell her story. Her making the costume, because we know like her necklace um, that has the lightning bolt sign, it's there, so it's happening. She knows she has all the pieces to make it. But making that and fighting uh, the Department of Damage Control um, and figuring out how the time travel happened, it's a lot for one episode. Um, I would just be happy if just they address the time travel and they call her Miss Marvel. That's it. And the costume can come in the Marvels. It's fine. Like, I would want to see that, but it's okay. Um, yeah. So even if they answer that, that, that would be, that would be great. I think that's the one closure I need and everyone needs from this episode. Yeah. I think we're going to see the, uh, the, the end of, uh, Kamala's journey to being a superhero. I think, um, you know, we'll probably see her and Bruno back together and the little love triangle that's turning into a love square with Red Dagger. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe a, a family reunion and just them working through, through a few of their issues might be nice. I, I don't know whether we're going to get a big action-packed sort of typical MCU finale. If it is, it's against the DODC, which is just a bit... I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they could have something fantastic planned, but um, that that would be a little bit underwhelming. But then a lot of these final battles do tend to be, uh, you know, CGI bollocks, as we like to say on Marvel Standard. I think you're right. And I would almost prefer a more low-key ending, you know? Like, I, I think that's kind of, you know, more appropriate to what this show has been like as a whole. I would be surprised if we don't get some kind of MCU cameo here. Uh, You know, whether it's Scott Lang, whether it's Carol Danvers, I think at some point next week, somebody, you know, like, like somebody who has hung out with the Avengers 
I feel like they have to make an appearance on this show and not even for story purposes, like just strictly so we can see how Kamala reacts to them. Like that's mm-hmm. where the joy is going to come for me. So um, hope I'm right. If I'm not, look, despite the fact that we, you know, uh, several of us were a little lukewarm on this week's episode, this show is just still so good. And I have complete faith in the creative team going into the finale. That is it. What do you know for this week's Marvel Stand-Up? And we will be back sooner than you think. That's right, folks. There's two Marvel Stand-Ups next week. Join us on Monday, July 11th for our special Thor Love and Thunder episode. We're going to break down all the fun stuff in that flick with a big spoiler-filled discussion and much more. Join us again on Wednesday, July 13th, as we dig into the Ms. Marvel season finale, as promised or threatened, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) Anyway, don't miss out. We'll be here twice next week. Make sure you're subscribing to us wherever you're watching or listening right now. Do not forget to check out our web home at denageek.com where you can find all our Marvel coverage. That's denageek.com slash Marvel. Please, I'm begging you, Drop us a line. Let us know your burning questions and what you want us to cover in upcoming episodes. We're at Marvel Standom on Twitter and Instagram, so be sure to follow those. Don't forget, we also have a DC show, so check out DC Standom when you can on all major podcast platforms. If you came in late, you'll be able to watch this entire episode on DennyGeek.com or at our YouTube home, DennyGeek US. You can check out past episodes there and also wherever you get your podcast. By the way, we also have that awesome interview that Muzna did uh, as a standalone video. If you're tired of looking at me and you just want some really cool insights, courtesy of Muzna. Uh, Thank you once again to our special guest, Joe. Always good to have you here. Muzna, you are absolutely essential. We couldn't do this show without you. Thank you to Andrew Halley, the best producer in the multiverse. Thanks to Denny Geek social media coordinator Lee Parham for keeping everybody in line, except when he's acting up, Lee. Go follow our TikTok. We're at Denny Geek TV. Lee's doing really great work over there, too. And of course, Michael R. makes the podcast version of this show all it can be. But most of all, thank you all for watching, listening, following, subscribing. You know the drill. This has been Marvel Standom on the Denny Geek Network. And until next time, remember, folks, we stand together. <laughs>